Good morning, and you're very welcome online to Open Arms Church. My name is PJ Booth, and I'm the lead pastor here. Please forgive my croakiness today. I seem to have a funny voice. I'm the founding pastor, and my son, Sean Booth, is now the lead pastor of Open Arms Church. And today we're continuing on our series, Jesus Is. And one of the purposes of this is to correct the view that so many people have a distorted view of God and a distorted view of Jesus. We know that Jesus is God with flesh on. And what the purpose, and one of the purposes of this series, is to give you a, a correct biblical view of who Jesus is. You know, our view and opinion of Jesus will determine what kind of relationship we have with Him. Many people will know that I'm from Enniscorthy in Wexford. It's in the southeast coast. We call it the sunny southeast. And there's a story of a couple who were married for 50 years, Mick and Mary, and they never had a fight, they never had a row, and they never had a disagreement. And a reporter got by and said, tell me your story. What, how come you've never fought and never had a row? And they said, well, it began on our honeymoon. You know, way back then, we had had in a car, but we had a pony and trap. And after the wedding, we left the church and we were going on our way to a town nearby where we could have a few days away on a hotel. Well, the, Mary was driving, it was her pony, her trap, going along the road. And suddenly, the pony just stops in the middle of the road. And Mary said, come on, get up, get up. The pony wouldn't move, would not move at all. So Mary got down out of the trap, went, looked at the horse, and said, that's one. She got back, got back onto the trap again, hooped up, and the pony trotted along for another two or three miles. But then again, the pony stopped, just stopped in his tracks and would not go. Again, we saw Mary, she got down at the trap, she looked at the pony and said, that's two. Got back on the trap, yup, and the pony started going again. And this time, the pony went four, five, six miles with no problem. But again, the pony stopped. This time, Mary got down, she took a gun out of her purse and shot the pony dead in the middle of the road. And Mick jumped down and said, Mary, are you mad woman? You can't kill a pony like that. You can't be doing that. How on earth are we going to get there? Mary looked at Mick, looked at the revolver, and said, that's one. Now that might seem like a funny story, but we often have that thought about God. We, 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 you know, God loves me, but. You know, when, when I make a big mistake, when I, when I fall, when I fail, when I resort to my old behaviors, we think God is saying, PJ, that's one. But that is not who God is. God is a God of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and in relationship with us. So today, our subject matter is the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb of God. John 1.29 says this, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. We know that the Old Testament is a, a foreshadow of the New Testament. It's as if God is shining a light through history, pointing back in the Old Testament about the reality that's going to happen in the New Testament. And it's in Exodus 11 and 12 that we see the foreshadow of the Lamb, the Lamb of God, who was slain to take away the sins of the world. We can see from biblical history how the people of Israel were saved by the patriarch Joseph, who became second in command to the great Pharaoh. He saved his people from the great famine and gave them a new home in Egypt. 
Pharaoh was so pleased that he gave them their own land where they could grow, where they could de develop as a community. However, after the death of Joseph and Pharaoh, a new Pharaoh came on the scene. And he's looked at Israel, these people that are growing into numbering millions. And he was afraid of them. And he tried to destroy them. He attempted to kill them. But God had heard his people cry for mercy, cry out to God to be saved. And he raised up another man who would lead them to the promised land. And his name was Moses. So Moses went to Pharaoh with a very simple, simple message from God. And the message was this, let my people go. But it says in the scripture that Pharaoh hardened his heart. He wouldn't allow the people to go. And in fact, he, he made it worse and harder and tougher for Israel at that time. And then God sent plagues. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Exodus. And it's not necessarily biblical, but there are a lot of biblical things within it. And it gives you a view of what it might have been like at that time. And the first thing we saw was the plague of blood. Now, we, blood is not a big deal, but if, if you turn on your tap and, and you, you're expecting water and out comes blood, that's not a pretty thing. So the River Nile, all the little estuaries, the streams, the wells, everything was turned into blood. But still, Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to let your people go. Then God sent frogs and gnats and flies uh, on livestock and boils and hail and locusts and darkness. And again, we think not a big deal, but the, the people were shattered. The crops were shattered all around um, Egypt, except on this little portion of land where Israel lived. So the entire nation of Israel or of Egypt was devastated. But Pharaoh, because he was such a hard-hearted man, still would not let God's people go. Eventually, God would send the final plague that would break both Egypt and Pharaoh. It was called the plague of the firstborn. We pick up the story in Exodus 11.4. So Moses said, he's speaking to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, about midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son to Pharaoh, who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of a slave girl who is at her handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. And then Exodus 11:7, just down a few verses. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And so Moses then went to the people of Israel and gave them instructions that, about how the angel of death would pass over. But if they were to kill a lamb, a perfect lamb with a blemish, and put it onto the doorpost, that when the angel of death come, he would pass over their household. Again, we're reading in Exodus 12, verse 12. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn both men and animals, and will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you and the houses where you are, and then I will see the blood. I will pass over you, and no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. It was known as the Passover. The lamb, the shed blood of the lamb, will be put onto the doorpost, and the angel of death would pass over. 
Now, we also know the good news of the story. Eventually, after that, Pharaoh said, go. And so the people of Egypt or of Israel began to leave Egypt. They got to the Red Sea. And then Pharaoh, of course, decided, no, I'm, I'm going to try and kill these people. So he went after them with all the army of Egypt. But God parted the Red Sea, and Israel escaped. But when the armies of Egypt got into the river, got into the sea, it closed on them and drowned the majority of the army. And God brought his people to the promised land of Canaan. So what we want to do is make three points today about the lamb. Number one, the lamb was perfect. Exodus 12, 5. The animal you choose must be a year old male without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or from the goats itself. So Jesus was the only person in the world who was perfect. Guys, we are all imperfect, every single one of us. He was the only one who died for us, the perfect for the imperfect, the holy for the holy. Because we're, we're born into a fallen world, and we have this thing called propensity. It's, it's, it's a name means that we have a leaning towards sin, and we will sin. And you and I know we did sin. We are sinners. And not alone did we sin, but then we became slaves to sin. Even when we didn't want to do the things we didn't want to do, we, we kept on doing this, as if it, it, there was a chain attached to us that kept dragging us back to that thing called sin. And so therefore, we need, and we did need, a Savior, the Lamb of God. And so our Savior must be a sacrifice that is perfect. Because you, can't, you can't have an imperfect sacrifice. You, you, no other man could die. So God took flesh upon himself, came in the form of a human being, a man, but was perfect without sin so that he could sacrifice and give his life, the perfect lamb who was slain for the world without sin. And then God the Father would receive that sacrifice and would heal us, would forgive us, and would give us salvation. 1 Peter 1.18 says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, and redeemed that you were bought back with, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And, and this is really important, really important that we get this. See, sometimes we as Christians, we think, well, yeah, okay, there was a day when, when I, I, I was cleansed 100%. I remember that day I committed my life to Jesus, but now I might be, well, maybe 75% cleansed or maybe 50%. You know, I'm, I'm not like a, a Mother Teresa, right? Uh, I'm not like a Billy Graham. So, so I'm probably lower on the totem pole. But Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who is perfect, died, and we were washed, and we were cleansed 100%. Right now, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are cleansed 100%. And there's a term that we use in, in, in biblical theology and terminology called justification. So I, I went during the week again and looked up my notes in theology all the way back from 1993 and says this. Let me read this for you. Justification is the act of God in which he restores the individual to a state of righteousness. Right? So this thing, righteousness. Righteousness means morally upright. We are morally upright. 
We are without guilt or sin. In regeneration, the moment we receive the Spirit of God, we receive a new life and a new nature. It's, 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 re, it's fascinating. It says, in justification, we receive a new standing before God. The old is gone, the new has come. The new standing is that of righteousness, moral standing, without guilt and without sin. We, the, the former way of life has gone. And then these are the, the results of justification, of being justified by Jesus. Number one, there is remission of the penalty. I was guilty, but Jesus has paid for that penalty. There is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not condemned anymore. And peace has come. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding is with me. Number two, God's favor is restored. I was an enemy of God, but I become a child of God, and His favor and His blessing is upon me. Number three, Christ's righteousness is imputated. This is really important. I'm not a theologian. I'm not, when I did this, I had to open my dictionary. I had to figure out what it is. Imputation. But this is what it is. It's as if He took all of His goodness and He injected it into me. The imputation. He placed it into me. And so I, who was not morally upright, who was guilty, who had loads of sin, when Jesus put Himself within me, it made me in good standing, righteous, took my guilt, took my shame, took everything. So He placed that within me and restored my relationship with God. We are 100% guilty, but now we have become 100% innocent because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And the moment that you receive Jesus, you receive all of His goodness, all of His righteousness, all of His forgiveness, all of His holiness, he does that work, and He achieved that on the cross for me and for you. So we are washed, we are cleansed, we are forgiven, we are children of God. This is good news today. The second thing this morning is the lamb was sacrificed, Exodus 12, 6. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. So when people went in to Israel, the land, when the land of Canaan, every single year they would celebrate this Passover with a lamb, and they would slaughter that lamb. It's, it's really interesting. Year after year after year, that's what they would do, and these are the instructions. But the lamb was slaughtered. You know, we have this view sometimes when you look at a, a painting. I don't know if you ever went to Rome or you, you go to, to, to a gallery and, and you see the, the painting of Jesus hanging on the cross with a kind of a smile, white skin, you know, long brown hair with blazing blue eyes, looking as if he was having a cappuccino. That, that's the image we get. But that's not the reality. The skin was torn off the back of Jesus. He had nails pierced through his hands. He had nails pierced through his legs. He was flogged within an inch of his life. As he hung on the cross, his knees were bent, and there was a reason. He was hanging out of his arms. And it was so much so that oftentimes their shoulders would become dislocated with the weight. And then the lungs began to fill up with water. That's what happened. Fill up with water. 
Jesus was slaughtered for me and for you. And as he hung on that cross, the only relief he could get, if he pushed up on the nail going through his feet, if he pushed hard on that, he could grasp a breath and slump back again. But eventually what would happen is his heart burst. And so much so that we saw the soldier at the very end didn't have to break his legs, but they pierced him in the side with a spear, and out came what? Water and blood. Jesus Christ, his heart was burst. His heart was broken. He died, he shed his blood for you and for me. So when we think of Jesus dying on the cross, he was slaughtered on the cross for you and for me. It was not a nice death. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible death. And thank God for the movie called The Passion of the Christ. You know, a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people looked away because it was so hard to look at. Jesus, God with flesh on, who holds the entire world in the palm of his hand, who's holy and precious and beautiful and kind. He hung on that cross for you and for me out of love because he wants a relationship with us. This is what this is about. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Again, the Old Testament was a, a foreshadow of the New Testament. It was a shadow. And in the New Testament, Hebrews 10, 1 says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, nor not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never be by any by the same sacrifice, repeated endlessly, year after year, made perfect those who draw near to worship. So for thousands of years, the people of God made sacrifices to cover their sins. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, has made one sacrifice once for all. He doesn't need to die every Sunday. He does not need to die at any ceremony. Jesus died once for all, for all mankind. Hebrews 10.10 says this, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest has offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Jesus died once for all, one sacrifice. No more shedding of blood, no more death, no more slaughter. We are cleansed, we are forgiven, we are accepted, we are loved, we are his. It is over, it is finished, it is a complete work. Number three. The lamb was shared. It's very significant. Exodus 12.4. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share with their nearest neighbor. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes at, at, you know, at Christmas and different times, Easter, I would get a leg of lamb. And, and for myself and Elizabeth, we wouldn't be able to complete it. Now, imagine a whole lamb. So what people did was they would invite their neighbor. They would invite their friends. They would invite singles. And they would eat because the lamb had to be consumed before midnight. So it was prepared during the day. It was cooked. And then you had to eat every single piece of it 
before midnight. So you, you shared with your neighbor. You shared with your friends. You had people over, and you shared the lamb. And it was a foreshadow. Again, that foreshadow of the Old Testament looking to the New Testament. So here's the reality, 2 Corinthians 5.13. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died, for them who was raised again. So we are out of our minds. When you think of it, are you crazy? We are compelled by the love of Jesus to share the lamb with our neighbors, to share the story of salvation with our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues. We, we are compelled as if there's something within us that we got to tell other people about Jesus. He, God places something within us that when we receive relationship, salvation with Jesus, I want to tell everybody around me about the good news of Jesus. We are compelled. So the good news is that Jesus Christ was sacrificed, was slaughtered for you, your family, your neighbor, your friends, for everyone that you know. We no longer live for ourselves. It's our passion, our, our greatest desire. This is our, our commitment as Open Arms Church to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. This is what we are about. We love you. And we love your neighbor and your family. And we want to share this good news with all of them. Exodus 14.4 says, If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share with their nearest neighbor. Some would say that we're out of our mind. And you know, some would say that. You're crazy Christians. You're always telling people about Christ. But I want to say this. Open Arms Church, we are too small. If you're attending a local church in your geographic area in another country or another part of Ireland, your church is too small. And as long as there is another person who has not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, as long as there are people living in our geographic area who have not encountered Jesus, our churches are too small. Because our church, Open Arms Church, was not just created for those within, but also for those who were without. We are an all-encompassing church. Our mission, our role, our passion is to spread the news about Jesus, the Lamb who was slain. You know, one of our, our values, if you go look at our website, openarms.ie, just, just look at our website and tap in to our values. It says we are passionate about new life. We have a passion, a burning desire inside of us to see people fall in love with Jesus. We want everyone to have the opportunity to find hope and life in Jesus. That is a value. It's something we live out day after day. And what's the other thing that you hear from us every Sunday? Or, or, you, or you see on the screen, or you see on our banners. It says we are life-giving, life-changing. We are a life-giving church with a vision to see people experience life change through Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, when you become a Christian, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He will change your life for good. You will see miracles in your own life, in your own behavior, in your own thinking, your own attitudes, your view of self, your view of others, your worldview. Jesus begins to change your view. It is life-changing. 
It is a great life-changing experience. So what is our, our vision as well at, for 2026? Open arms, we, we have a vision. We're, we're operating, we're working towards something. God has more and more for us. But we want to build a large church here in Newbridge and South Dublin that reaches in excess of 2,000 people. And these people will be some of your family and your neighbors and your friends and your colleagues. We want to purchase a large facility in South Dublin to accommodate that. We want to plant a church in Nace that's only 10K down the road from Newbridge. It's, it's right now, I believe, is the fastest growing town in Ireland in excess of 35,000 people. We want to plant a church, again, to reach your friends and your neighbors and your colleagues. That's our heart. That's what we want to see and what we do. And you have an opportunity. So we all have an opportunity. I, I, I have this thing in my head that I, that I always say, pray, invite, and bring. So pray. Pray for your friends and family. Pray that, that Jesus will reveal himself to these people by the power of his Holy Spirit. Invite. Invite people to church. Hey, we, we are so glad today that you're, you're looking online. Remember, every single Sunday, 11 o'clock in the morning, we are online. But online will not develop a community. When you're online, you will not experience what it's like to be in, in a church, in a hall filled with people worshiping Jesus. We, 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 you can't bottle that. You've got to be there. So you can invite. Invite your friends and family to church. Again, if you're not part of Open Arms and you're part of another local church, invite them to that church. But we, are, we have two services. We've got Kids Church in both South Dublin and here. Look at our website. Look at the times. Invite people. And not just invite them, bring them. So I'll pick you up in the morning. I will bring you. I'll have a coffee with you afterwards. Bring them to church. And then two other things. Connect and participate. Connect with other people within the church. Have a coffee. Connect them to another person. And then participate. How do you participate? You see our worship today? You, we're, we're, we need more people for worship. Do you play drums? Do you play guitar? Do you sing? Are you good at production? Laying out chairs? Welcoming? Working with our children? Whatever you are, there is room in our church, Open Arms Church, for you. There is a place for you and the ministry that God has given you. And you are more than welcome to come and participate in Open Arms. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Jesus, the Lamb of God, has his arms wide open. Let me read Revelation 3.20 from the Passion Translation. It says, Behold, I'm standing at the door and knocking. And, and so, so this is a picture of Jesus. He's knocking. He's knocking at the door of your heart. He says, If your heart is open to hear my voice, and you open the door within, I will come in to you and feast with you. I will have fellowship with you. I will eat a meal with you. I will be with you, and you with me. That's the invitation. So today, if you'd like to accept the free sacrifice that Jesus made, that Jesus was slaughtered for, if you make a decision, Jesus, I want you to pay for my sin. I don't want to pay myself. If that's you today, wherever you are, if you want to bow your head and just pray these words with me. Lord Jesus, I have failed you 
and I am 100% guilty. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to wash me 100% clean. I accept your sacrifice for me. I accept right now that I am forgiven and I have become a child of God. Amen. If that's you and you've made that commitment for the first time, or perhaps you've made a recommitment, if you go to openarms.ie forward slash connect, you'll see a card on that. And it says, I've committed my life to Jesus or I have recommitted my life to Jesus. We want to help you take the next step in this journey of life. So as we finish, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord face shine upon you. May you know his peace, his presence, his salvation, his joy, and his cleansing this week. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Have a great day.